What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And you can follow uh, the Twitter and Facebook pages for the latest updates. Uh, this week on Guest Friday, we got uh, Derek Welch returning to Guest Friday to uh, talk some Celtics. Uh, Derek, good to have you back, man. Thank you for having me, Garrett. Always a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, you know, it's uh, always fun to be able to talk about our favorite basketball team, you know, <laughs> wish the circumstances were a little bit better, but, you know, here we are. You know, can't can't win the championship every year, but uh, we're here no. talking about this. <laughs> and it's, yeah, you know, it's difficult, but it, it is what it is. It's tough. I mean, I'm glad they came back and like it was fun for a couple of days when they were coming back. And like, you know, I think it went maybe went a little bit overboard with like the 2004 Red Sox comparisons and all that. But <laughs> it definitely was very fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think this team just has the, you know, penchant for making it way difficult, way more difficult than it needs to be. And then, you know, more often than not, they can climb out of it. Just obviously was too much this time around. And, you know, I think that we could sit here lamenting uh, for the playoff series. We certainly can talk about, you know, the Heat series and kind of like what went wrong. Um, But, you know, I think for me, you know, earlier this week, I talked about my thoughts um, about the series. Uh, Derek, if you just want to talk about, you know, kind of your takeaways. The major thing that I take away from it, you know, you can break down, you know, how Jalen Brown showed up or how Tatum showed up, but it really comes down to the culture of the team and how they play together as a team. I felt like we were trying to play hero ball for a lot of the series and we just couldn't crawl out of it. We couldn't come back from it. We, we tried so hard and we got very close, but I think we just dug ourselves a hole that was too deep to get out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think looking at the way the first two games went where, you know, you go into a fourth quarter with a lead and, you know, it's kind of just the same things that happen. Um, and I think, unfortunately, this is a basketball team in the Miami heat that they will make you pay for stuff like that. You know, I think that they kind of got away with it in the Philly series, but it's like Philadelphia is not a very experienced team in the postseason, like the heat are, you know, being in the finals for now, what the second time in the last four years or whatever it is. I believe so. Yes. So, you know, I think, they're a team that, you know, you would think the Celtics would understand them a little bit better and understand that you have to play a certain way against a team. And, you know, they kind of just kept running into the same traps. I, <laughs> I'll i put my hand up and admit that every night when Max Truce or Gabe Vincent or Caleb Martin was going crazy, I, would get so, so frustrated at this team for letting them take over the series, but it proved me wrong and they beat us and there's nothing you can say after that. Yeah. 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that for the most part, they looked like the better team in this series. And certainly the Celtics had their moments, you know, winning games four and five. And then, you know, whatever the heck that game six was. That I will always remember game six. I, oh, of course. I'm not going to be fond of the way it ended, but um, that that's a, that was a special one for sure. Yeah, I mean, that was just it, probably one of the most ridiculous endings to a playoff game that I can remember, um, you know. But, yeah, we're sitting here talking about a, a game seven loss, which isn't great. You know, it seemed like it was a, a perfect storm of things that all went wrong in that game. You know, the Celtics unable to make any threes. Jalen's a turnover machine, and Tatum, you know, twists his ankle, so – you know, I wasn't surprised that the game went the way that it did, you know, after Tatum getting hurt and, you know, them kind of un- being unable to pick up the slack. Very on brand for this team to fight back to game seven and then kind of have a dud for, for game seven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it does. It did kind of, kind of was, you know, par for the course for this group. Um, but, you know, we're sitting here, you know, having to talk about, you know, the off season, maybe a little bit earlier than we would have thought, you know, I think that we all would have liked for them to be in the finals. And, you know, I think me personally, I have a hard time seeing this Celtics team eating the nuggets. I think just based on the way the Celtics, you know, struggled through the postseason and the nuggets have lost three games to this point. I think that was the thing. I, I was disappointed game of like day of the game. And then, you know, the finals are coming up and just thinking about what Jokic and MPJ and uh, Jamal Murray would present to us. I feel like it wouldn't have gone very well <laughs> in the finals for us. So, yeah. Um, and so I think in a little bit, we'll talk about the finals, talk about the, the matchup with the heat and the nuggets. But um, before we get into kind of the off season for the Celtics. Were there any other thoughts coming from that game that you wanted to, to address? I know this is what everyone is saying, um, but I felt like this was an opportunity for Jalen Brown to kind of prove all of those things he's been talking about where he feels like he needs a bigger role or, you know, he's the alpha on the team and he just didn't show up for game seven. It was a chance where, Tatum goes down on like one of the first plays of the game and we need someone like Jalen Brown to step up in that moment. And he really didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to play this game, you know, just to finish out this, this thought, but I do think that, you know, Tatum's injury affected the whole, the whole team and how they play offensively. That doesn't excuse Jalen's performance because clearly eight turnovers you can't do that in a game seven. Um, but I also think, you know, Tatum not being healthy, Brogdon not being healthy, you know, it kind of is like the spotlight is all on Jalen to be the scorer. And it's like, yeah, he didn't perform clearly, but I think those were kind of the, some injuries that just were way too much for them to have to overcome. I agree. Tough, tough fill to swallow, but yeah, like, I mean, Tatum gave his all and like, 
I heard on the radio today that if we made the finals, Tatum might not have been able to play in the finals. It was that bad of an injury. So um, I guess props to him for sticking it out for the game, but can't be happy with the the outcome. No, no, of course not. And I think that's kind of the end end of the day that, you know, they did not perform in the game seven. And now, you know, we're here talking about the off season and it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason, that's for sure. I think there's a lot of kind of, I don't know if major decisions is the right word, because I do think that maybe there's one major decision with Jalen Brown and the Supermax, but I think that every other decision, it's a decision. Maybe it's not like a earth-shattering decision that, oh my gosh, we have to make this big decision one way or the other. Definitely some question marks. I think the coach question mark comes up in some people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we can, if we want to get into it. Yeah. I, I, I think this team would have been better off if we had just suspended Ime at the beginning of the year rather than fire Ime. But if mm-hmm. that was the decision that that was made, then uh, I, I'm comfortable with Missoula. And I feel like moving on from another coach and if we went into se- the next season with another coach and it was four coaches in four years, I don't think that's what this team needs. I think they need some type of stability mm-hmm. um, to move on to the next year. And I don't think firing Missoula makes a whole lot of sense, honestly. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, you know, for all of Joe's, you know, flaws and whatever you want to say, he was operating with a coaching staff that wasn't really his own, you know, without a couple of assistant coaches, you know, they lost like throughout the year, lost a couple of assistant coaches for whatever reason. Um, And so I think he deserves some credit at least for getting this team to a game seven, winning 57 games. But I think it was clear that without kind of the help of, legitimate coaching staff, you know, there kind of were some shortcomings. So, you know, I hope that they can find some assistance, you know, he can find some assistance that will be able to kind of take some, take some stuff off his plate, you know, maybe get a coach that can work with the defense, you know, work with another coach to, you know, figure out how they can, you know, continue to embrace the three point shot, but also, find other ways to be successful when that shot is not falling like it was uh, Monday night. I've heard a lot of talk about this is actually, you know, in defense of Missoula. I feel like the three ball and like our offense being, you know, centered around taking lots of them and, you know, making lots of them. Uh, I, I think that comes from the analytics team above and down to Missoula to, to execute that plan. I don't think Missoula is sitting there and demanding them to shoot threes on his own accord at 100%. Hmm. Um, And I do feel that there needs to be some type of refocus on defense in this team. I think that was something that Ime was extremely strong at Mm -hmm. and got a lot out of this team. Um, I thought there was, big lapses in the playoffs this year of defense for this team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, I think it was kind of obvious when you looked at, 
you know, last year's team in the playoffs versus this year's team. You know, I think that offense was more of the focus this year. Defense was more of the focus last year. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's like one approach works better than the other. You know, I think that they want to find some kind of medium where they are as efficient at like as efficient on offense at they as they were at their best this season, but also trying to be as good defensively as they were last year. They have the talent to do it too. It's not like we need to find better defensive players. Right. Like it's it's there and we've seen it. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's certainly I think going to be a lot of turnover in kind of the, in, in the coaching spot, not the head coach spot, but I think, I think that there are some reports in the last day or so that there are going to be some assistants that are going to go with EMA to Houston. And so there may be a real possibility that there's a huge turnover in terms of assistant coaches, you know, and I think it's be interesting to see with Joe having an opportunity to kind of hire his own staff you know, didn't really get a chance to do that last year. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. Definitely. So kind of looking at the player personnel, I know there's been a lot of, you know, conversation about Jalen Brown and the Celtics offering him, you know, the super max and all that. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand the full, you know, ramifications <laughs> of, two guys on super maxes with the new CBA and all those things, all those numbers. Um, but I guess the takeaway is if the Celtics are going to be paying both Jalen and Jason supermax contracts, there's not a whole lot of room to operate to build the rest of the roster. Yeah. I mean, I'll take from Bill Simmons here. I was listening to him talk about the CBA and he brought up the supermax for Jalen and, that has no room for guys like Brogdon and Grant Williams and the, the extras. And he, yeah, he also mentioned that we wouldn't have been even been able to get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon if we were over the tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still understanding all the ramifications of the CBA, but um, it does seem like those teams that are in the high luxury tax are going to be harshly penalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that that is something the Celtics are going to have to weigh um, in terms of, you know, keeping the the two of them around, which I think we would like for them to do. You know, I just, I don't know, it's certainly a, a big decision that they're going to have to make um, in terms of, you know, deciding to give Jalen that offer and, you know, figuring out what they're going to do from there. Um, I think thinking about this off season in particular and kind of looking at the roster, um, you know, clearly some decisions to make with Grant Williams being a free agent, you know, restricted free agent, you know, Gallinari has a player option, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Pritchard. I guess I'd be surprised if he returns. Um, then they're just some kind of end of the roster guys like Muscala and Blake Griffin that probably won't be back. Um, and so, I wanted to ask you what your thought was about Grant Williams. 
I go back and forth on Grant Williams, and I think the message was sent to him early in the playoffs that we don't technically need you and we can possibly win without you. And then when our backs are against the wall, <laughs> we pulled them out and he actually gave us great minutes. So, mm. you know, his minutes were down all year. And I think it's because he is on a contract year. Um, and I think they were trying to, you know, make him less of part of the fabric of the team, but I'm not positive what his number looks like. I would imagine it's probably in the $20 million range, which maybe 15, $20 million range. But mm-hmm. I, I do think he is an important piece of our team. And especially when we talk about defense, mm-hmm. he, he's integral for, for what we do on defense. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree. And I think, you know, obviously as a guy that's proven over the last couple of years that he can make a three point shot, um, you know, can be a valuable defender, like you said. Um, I guess I'm just curious about, you know, again, like what his number is going to be, because I think, you know, we were thinking it might be in the $20 million range, but I don't know if that changes based on his, you know, performance at times this season, which was kind of up and down, you know, him not really being a part of the rotation. You know, I don't, I, I just don't know what, what like his what like an offer he could get from another team. Do they think that he's worth twenty million a season, or are those offers not going to be as high as that? Um, and I think that probably makes it likely that he comes back if his right. number is not as high as you know twenty or whatever it is. Do you ever think about, you know, like 15 years ago, <laughs> talking about a guy like Grant Williams getting $20 million? Yeah, that's like, crazy. <laughs> that's the that's the value, though. That's the market. And yeah, I don't know if it's 20, but I, I imagine it's in $5 million either way of that. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, like you said, what 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 does the league think of Grant Williams and where where do they value him? Because mm-hmm. it may just be a fit thing for him, honestly. Yeah. 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 No, I definitely, definitely agree. You know, looking at the shooting percentage, I mean, he's 45% from three um, in the playoffs. And then I think regular season, um, a little bit lower, but, you know, obviously it's a larger sample size in the regular season. You know, he shot about 40%. So, you know, we kind of know his skill set and the type of player that he is. You know, I think the only issue with him is that he sometimes tries to do a little bit too much. Um, and I think that could be part of the reason maybe his value isn't as high as it could be. Um, but I think that obviously that's a big decision they're going to have to make. It's the fine line between great energy coming out and then maybe going a little bit too hard or a little bit right. too in someone else's face. Like we saw with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I also think that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about this and I'm not sure if this is accurate, but it does seem to me that there might come a time and maybe it's this summer if the Celtics are making a decision about Marcus Smart going forward and, you know, someone like Brogdon, who I think 
was great for the Celtics this year, but he's making 22 million and he's coming off the bench. And it's like, he's not really someone that, you know, he can start of course, but I think at, at this stage of his career, knowing his injury history, it may not be a smart thing for him to be starting. It's a tough, tough thing, thing to weigh with three, I would say above average point guards on the same team. Mm. I think Derek White in this postseason and last postseason, I think he's proved that he's a winner and he fits on this team extremely well. And I wonder if there's a world where he starts potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up the Marcus Smart thing because I was going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I want to give him credit for a good playoffs. I feel like it was he never really had like a stinker in the playoffs. Like there wasn't a dud game out of his, his performances, but I didn't see enough from him this playoffs. I didn't, I didn't feel enough from, from him. And mm-hmm. maybe it is time if we're going to do something to shake up this team. Yeah. And I do think that they should do something to shake up the team. Maybe, maybe Marcus is the guy to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they really have to, you know, wonder is if he is really the guy that, you know, can be that starting point guard and can, you know, pull everyone together. And, you know, we know all the great hustle plays, all the great defensive plays that he's made over the years. But I just, I think that, you know, you see flashes of him being a great, you know, floor general guy that can get double digit assists. And I think that over the last two years in particular, he's really improved in that area of the game. But I just wonder if someone like Derek White just might be a, a smarter decision, like, <laughs> like, a, like a smarter guy to have in the, in the lineup in situations where, you know, you need to be able to take care of the ball. And I feel like sometimes Marcus can do things that don't really make any sense um, but it's hard because he means so much to the team and so much to the organization that, you know, if they do have to move him, you know, who knows how that's going to affect other guys on the team. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, I feel like that's probably the most compelling argument to keep him is, is the identity of this team where mm-hmm. like, what do, what do Jalen and, and, and Tatum think of that if we ship mm-hmm. him off? And, and it's something we've struggled with in previous years, like five, six years ago, where the team turns on the organization when they're shipping guys off. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the fine line of when's the right time to do it and mm-hmm. if it's the right time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, you know, it's interesting that you brought up identity because I do feel like when you think of, you know, this team's ability or inability to, you know, close games, you know, and have, having the issues of, you know, giving up the leads, giving up fourth quarter leads. And it's something that has been consistent over the last three head coaches, unfortunately. Um, and kind of the common denominator is the three guys that are the core of the team, Jalen, Jason, and Marcus. And so I feel like, you know, there are the identity of, not being able to close games 
it's like you might need to shake that up to try to see if you can fix that. You know, and I don't want to say that Marcus Smart's the reason why they, you know, blow fourth quarter leads, but considering that the three of them are, are your core and this is kind of unfortunately been what they've been, you know, do you consider switching that up? I'm glad you said it's not 100% putting the blame on him. It's more so shaking it up. Mm-hmm. And I do want to mention that I'm glad you pointed out that this has happened with all three of the other coaches as well. Um, this is something that has happened with this team for a good amount of years now. And mm-hmm. um, it's frustrating to hear people put it all on Missoula when this is something that has been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that I have, I have confidence that they'll be able to, you know, put together a useful off season. And I think just for God's sake, just have like a normal off season. <laughs> like you've had the bubble off seasons, you know, you've had the off season with Brad moving to the front office, the front of the, the off season with, you know, email and that whole thing. You right. know, it's like, can we please just have a normal off season where guys do summer league, you know, the, the roster, the coaching staff gets figured out and no one gets hurt, like fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> um, before we get into talking about the finals, any other Celtics thoughts? I think I said what I need to say on them. I, I'm not in panic mode with this team. I, I think I see fans on Twitter and, and elsewhere, you know, blow this team up, like Tatum mm-hmm. and Brown can't win together. And I'm not, I, maybe I'll be hurt again around this time next year, but I think it's maybe just too early for, for us to give up on the both of them right now. Yeah. Um, so looking at these finals, Miami and Denver, you know, obviously the nuggets have been, off for quite a bit uh, before playing uh, game one in, in Denver. Um, overall, like overall thoughts about this series, just at first glance. I, I don't see a world where anyone's taking down um, Nikola Jokic right now. Mm-hmm. I, and, and me saying that and putting it out into the world, that's when the heat are the most dangerous. Um which is always in the back of my mind with a series like this. Um, but from what I've watched from the Nuggets, they move the ball so well. You know, they they had such a great offseason with picking up KCP and Bruce Brown to fill in those gaps. And now them being fully healthy, this team is an elite, like an elite team to watch. Yeah, I think like I feel like throughout the playoffs – you know, and as we've gotten deeper, it's almost like there's some deep-rooted, like, disrespect for the Nuggets because they're not the Lakers, because they're not, you know, uh, the flashiest, sexiest team or whatever. But it's like, they're really good. You know, I think my main issue is, like, people talking about, oh, the, the Celtics, this is their best chance to win or this and that. Like, oh, the like, everything is broken for them. It's like, the Nuggets are really good. They're not just some <laughs> random team. Like, they're very good. They have a two-time MVP and probably could have won 
MVP again this year. Like, they're a very good basketball team. I was pulling hard for the Lakers if we <laughs> if we made it to the finals. So I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I think anytime you have a chance to be Celt- have Celtics Lakers, you obviously want that. I will say on like non basketball and like more like just fans and like you know ratings police. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're an NBA fan and you truly watched the season this year, this is a very exciting finals. Absolutely. But if you're not. You know, I've seen people like, of course, we would want to see Celtics Lakers like, but this is going to be a great. This is two great teams and they're probably. I know the Nuggets were one of the better teams this year, but we talk about catching fire and the Heat have just caught the most fire in the past three series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, they have been. Just like it's it's just funny that you know Jimmy wasn't exactly at his best toward the end of the Celtics series, but they were still able to, you know, get enough from the other guys, which is Denver is just there's such a deep team, and it's just it's hard for me to envision the Heat getting more than like a game or two, but that doesn't mean this isn't gonna be a, a good series. It's gonna be really intriguing to see. Um, what happens um, I happen to like Denver in five or six um, but I do think I don't think this is going to be like if this is a five game series I don't think this is going to be like a not close five game series like I think you could see some games that are close in the last couple of minutes I think the difference between Denver and the Celtics is you know Denver is going to be able to close the games and I think that the Celtics obviously had issues against the Heat with those first two games. And I just think Denver's not a team that they're going to be screwing around with leads in the last couple of minutes. Now, they might lose a lead, but I just think, like, the way that they're built, they're not a team that's going to let another team, like, go on a run and be able to get back into a game. I also think with the Nuggets – and something that we didn't really attack in the heat series. I think like you mentioned, when Butler has those not so great nights where he's putting up like maybe 20 or 25, Mm. which isn't horrible, but for Jimmy, that's an off night. I think the nuggets are going to be able to take big advantage of that and Mm. win those games, like not let other people shoot the lights out and, (laughs) but other players, you know, hurt them. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the Nuggets are they're just not they're not built like that they're not built to to not take advantage of something like that right yeah I think I'm just excited to see Jokic on an, uh, like a on a stage like this where you know the Nuggets play in Denver they're not exactly on everyone's mind throughout the regular season but I think like him playing on a on a on a stage like this, everyone's going to be able to see the like his greatness and be like, "There's a reason this guy has won, you know, two of the last three MVPs." A bit poetic, actually. The, the year he doesn't win MVP, it's this is why I won the last two. Yeah, um, and I think just like I just think that that total nonsense about 
you know, the MVP discourse earlier this season that, you know, you can't give him the third MVP in a row because he's, you know, never been to the finals, never won a championship. And it's like, well, I, I kind of would like to see them win the championship so he can right. be like, well, you know, I won this time. So, you know, what's, what's the excuse? Yeah. What's next? What, what, uh, what else can we, we pull at? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, I mean, I fully expect that if the Nuggets win, Jokic will get MVP. I don't really think that there's a scenario where he doesn't, <laughs> you know, unless Murray just, you know, averages like 35 a game or something like that. Uh, right. He's been fun to watch too. Right. It's, <laughs> I texted you a couple weeks ago about, you know, Murray and Brown were in the same draft and uh, yeah. who would you rather have? And, you know, I think we both agreed that Brown is probably a better fit with Tatum, sure. but very cool to see Murray like excel into this player, or, you know, grow into this player, especially coming off an ACL injury a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I think like injuries like that are just so hard because you never know if someone's going to be able to come back and be that same player, or is it a, you know, career defining injury? Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like Bill Walton or any of these like all time all-time talents, I should say, mm -hmm. that, you know, have these injuries and then, you know, never really return to, you know, or be the player that we think. Mm -hmm. um, any any other thoughts you have about this series? I agree with you on the Nuggets in five and six, or five or six, and hmm. I I really don't see it in a world where the Heat pull it off in, in, in any world, honestly. That's where the heat are the most dangerous. And, yeah, you know, in a week from now, we could be, you know, they could be up 2-1 or whatever. And we could yeah. be, like, be dumbfounded on how good this heat team is. But um, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this finals a lot. Um, I love good parity in, in the league. And oh, absolutely. People say they like parity until teams like the Nuggets get in. <laughs> but I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's a, it's literally the same conversation with the NHL where, you know, oh, you know, we love this league for its parity, but, you know, not those teams. Yeah, not, not those ones, right? <laughs> not those ones, yeah. Um, well, uh, Derek, it was great having you back on. Uh, always great to talk talk ball with you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, anything anything else? I think that's it. Thank you for having me on. All right. Absolutely. All right, folks. Uh, we'll be back with you next week.